Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Providence Journal presents Nick and Bob, the college basketball podcast for Rhode Island and around the nation with your hosts, Kevin McNamara and Bill Koch. Hello and welcome to the latest version of the Providence Journal's Pick and Pop podcast. This is Kevin McNamara here in Providence, uh, getting ready to head out uh, on the road to Indianapolis for a weekend game. Uh, But uh, more importantly, we have live and in action as we speak, Mr. William Koch on the trail to Olean, New York. Bill, are you there? Uh, Not quite yet. Headed due west uh, from Buffalo, which is where you fly into when you go to Olean. And the good news is that the only precipitation in the air right now is a little bit of rain. The last time I made this drive a couple of years ago, it was in the middle of a blizzard, and it was not fun. That, that was my next question. Was is this your first trip to Olean? It, it, it is truly one of the world's, or certainly the college basketball trail's garden spots, but it sounds like you've been there before, and you know what you're heading into on uh, Friday night when the Rams uh, play St. Bonaventure at uh, a sold-out and super jam-packed Riley Center. Uh, more importantly, Kevin, I, I am a little jealous of you being able to go to Hinkle Fieldhouse. I had my first experience out there last year on New Year's Day to watch the Friars play Butler, uh, and it really is one of the sports cathedrals. There, there's no two ways about it. Well, we're going to start with the Friars, if that's okay, because uh, last night... Uh, as we should. Yeah, last night they're coming off their biggest win of the season, a 76-71 uh, upset of the number three rated uh, Villanova Wildcats. Uh, the Friars, Friars have actually played Villanova tougher than most Big East teams in the five years of the reconfigured conference, but uh, hadn't beaten them at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in a while, and um, pretty much end-to-end, you know, Villanova made a pretty good push there late in the first half, but Providence controlled uh, controlled the tempo most of the way. Uh, they were physical. You know, I was saying to our boss, Bill Cor- uh, Corey, earlier, most of the coaches who leave the Dunkin' Donuts Center, that's what they remark about, Bill, about Providence, is how physical they are, and that physicality certainly came to play last night as uh, Villanova not only was 3-for-20 from the three-point line, but uh, maybe more importantly, they turned the ball over 19 times. And, you know, when Providence defends, they can be a factor. You know, I almost expected Providence to bounce back because they were humiliated by DePaul, whether they were sick or, or not. That was an embarrassing loss on their home floor. And, and as high-level as high level athletes often do, um, you know, they have a certain sense of pride in their performance, they have a certain sense of pride in uh, the type of team that they are and the type of people they are. And I think we saw it on the floor last night for 40 minutes. Uh, like you said, Villanova, three for 20 from three. That's an offense that gets about 39% of its points from three-point range. So you really stifled them there. And then you know, I think you made a really good point, Kevin, uh, in your Friars Journal today, your notebook. Kyron Cartwright did a much better job against Jalen Brunson this time around. Uh, the first time Brunson had his way in that matchup, and this time it was Cartwright pushing back. And, and really, you know, Brunson had 
I guess you could say, one of his worst games of the season to date. No, I don't think there's any question. Uh, when the All-American point guard loses the ball seven times, whether his uh, teammates weren't catching it or he was booting it around or he was truly picked, he was, he was picked clean a couple times, one very memorably by Isaiah Jackson, and then he went end-to-end for, for an and-one play. Uh, th- that can't happen. You know, We'll get into Villanova in a little bit here, but Providence, you know, I, it's funny. Both Cartwright and Bullock have had very inconsistent seasons, not as good as they were last year, really, from end-to-end. End. And yet when they play well together, the Friars are very dangerous. You know, Jalen Lindsay uh, shook off uh, what they were saying were concussion symptoms to miss the DePaul game to play all 40 minutes, play as usual, really good defense. So, so the wild cards with the Friars, strangely enough, are two other seniors, Cartwright and Bullock. And uh, they both played last night. You know, uh, Cartwright finished with 17 points, five assists, three steals in 24 minutes. And then Bullock, after a, a pretty blah first half, uh, went off in the second with uh, re- really a couple of highlight jams and a big three-pointer, ended with 14 points and six assists. And, you know, Bill, Bill, we've talked about this all year long, and Ed Cooley has been outspoken about it as well, basically saying we're going to go as far as our seniors take us. And last night the seniors played. Especially in the second half, Kevin, you make a good point there. Uh, I knew the Friars were in good shape when Rodney Bullock made a three-pointer. It was right in front of you and Billy Reynolds on the left wing, uh, and he ran back down the court with his arms out, like you know, sort of simulating a, an eagle or a plane, like he was flying. He was playing to the crowd, which isn't something that you see Rodney do very often. Uh, he's sort of a laid-back guy, not necessarily you know, very emotive or emotionally engaged. And when you see that sort of fire out of him, uh, you know, in particular after a couple of his dunks, he, he was very emotional. Uh, when you see that sort of thing out of him, I think that's a, a pretty good indicator of what the temperature is of the team. Uh, you know, and like you said, when, when he and Cartwright are both in attack mode, they're two very good options to have. The, the other pieces sort of fall into place. Alpha Diallo gets to sort of go at teams with his all-around game. Jalen Lindsey defends and shoots the three, and then you get enough out of Khalif Young and Nate Watson and, and the rest of the bench pieces. But when those two guys are, are the two guys at the front, it's a very different Providence team. Uh, we're going to switch a little bit here to Villanova. And uh, it was funny, a lot of people emailed me after the game, and then we talked uh, today and said, oh, geez, you know, Villanova, geez, they weren't very good. Well, no, they weren't, but I think Providence had an awful lot to do with that defensively, the way they played. And pretty much Ed Cooley has the, uh, the uh, I like to call it the tough twos mantra. He, he doesn't want to give up. Uh, he wants to give up tough twos and really shut down the three-point line. And certainly that, that worked wonders last night with Villanova only shooting three for 20. Uh, certainly scored some points at the rim. Uh, but as long as they contested, Cooley really doesn't have much of an issue with that. And, you know, Miles Bridges did as usual. He was 19-7. and seven. We, We've talked about Brunson struggling. Uh, Omari Spellman was, was tough inside, 11-9. and nine, But uh, Dante DiVincenzo had 30 in the previous game. Uh, comeback win over Butler. And uh, he was 3-for-10 and didn't make a 3. Uh, he becomes a very, very important player with uh, Phil Booth uh, out. And uh, sure enough, the uh, Wildcats have lost 2-of-3. Yeah, DiVincenzo is, is probably the igniter on that other side. Uh, you know, he's a guy who who's capable of the spectacular, really, at times, you know, whether it be off the dribble or, or some hot shooting from deep. He never really got it going. I think just in general you could say that 
you know, just about any team will look ordinary and look flat if they don't make shots. Uh, and especially a team like Villanova, who is so perimeter-oriented, uh, you know, relies so much on the three ball and, and on their guards. If the shots aren't going down and Amari Spellman doesn't have 30 or 35 or something ridiculous, uh, they are gettable. And, and I also thought that, you know, Ed Cooley made some good adjustments in the second half. He had a small lineup out there. Uh, he had Malik White out there uh, a decent amount. He gave them some good energy. Um, and I felt like he, he went to pieces that sort of matched and denied what Villanova normally likes to do. Yeah, I think they, they wanted to make Spellman defend away from the basket, and that's why they went small. And we've seen that smaller lineup where really Isaiah Jackson or, or Alpha Diallo act as the center. And I think that that did you know help Providence be able to score a little bit more around the rim and spread the floor. And they ended up with eight three-pointers. You know, any game where Providence is going to outscore you from the three-point line, they're going to have a chance to win. And certainly when it comes against Villanova, it's a major surprise. Uh, the win does uh, wonders for the Friars. Uh, obviously, as you said, coming off the DePaul loss, they certainly needed to uh, register another big win or two to stay in that Big East race. And uh, things are, you know, one game changes an awful lot. They go from 43 to 34 in the RPI, uh, heading to Butler, which uh, a win there or even maybe a loss is going to keep them, uh, you know, in that uh, low to mid 30s range. And really, maybe more importantly, uh, make some eight and five in the Big East, and you know, there's a legitimate chance that they can go deep, you know, in this Big East race. There's no reason to say, well, if they can get to ten, well, why not eleven? Why not twelve? You know, with the exception of Xavier, they, they can win, you know, every game on their on their you know schedule. Uh, Butler, they've already beaten. Uh, will be a tough game on Saturday for sure. But Seton Hall has lost four in a row, is really slumping. They come in here next week, uh, and then the Providence ends the regular season at Xavier. Obviously a difficult game, and then home against St. John. So uh, there's, there's some gettable games left here in the regular season. Yeah, I also think from the other standpoint, there's really only one game left on Providence's schedule that can do major damage to them, and that's at Georgetown. Uh, right. That's really the only game left that you would say could be a bad loss. And, and that has a lot to do with the resurgence of St. John's here, uh, knocking off Villanova, knocking off Duke. Uh, they won a nail-biter at DePaul last night. Um, you know, they've now crept up into the mid-60s in the RPI. Even if you were to lose to them at home, uh, which I don't expect on senior night, uh, it wouldn't be something fatal. Providence has done enough work now to this point where – you know, barring some kind of collapse here down the stretch, I feel like they should be pretty comfortable about going to a fifth straight NCAA tournament. No, I, I agree. I think uh, I'm not saying that they're ready to play for seeding because that's definitely not the case. They need to keep winning games. But, you know, I keep telling people, they say, well, you know, can they get in? Can they get in? I'm almost tired of, of the argument. Uh, why can't they get in with a decent seed? You know, uh, again, win three of the last four here. Uh, and go to the Big East tournament and get to the semifinals, and maybe Providence is 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 a seven, you know, is a in the eight nine right. game versus an eleven or the first four, or you know, I I just think this team potentially sh- should be better than that. Obviously, their inconsistency has been the key to the season, and uh, the inconsistency they will say is because of the you know injuries and sickness, and you know, hopefully they're finally finally over those hurdles and, and can just be fully healthy here for, for the stretch drive. Um, 
but that's enough about the Friars. Uh, back to back to the road, Bill. Bill, what road are you on? Do you even know what highway? It's one of those back road New York highways. Uh, uh, Interstate two nineteen, actually, right now. And the only reason I know that is because of our friends at Google Maps. So thank you very much to them. Got you. And this is uh, just describe it to the people. It's a true two lane highway, and uh, maybe a couple roadie stops or a uh, a gas station along the way. Well, we just went through the town of Ellicottville, small town, probably a couple streets, uh, maybe one stoplight. Uh, very quaint, is exactly what you would expect, uh, you know, from suburban small town America. Uh, you know, now I'm I'm on a two lane road with some mountains on the left uh, and a couple ski lodges on the right. You know, and, and really, I I would like this would be the type of area I would like to come back to. And maybe in June or July or August, because I'm sure it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, but for seven months out of the year, it's something of a beast to live up here, I would think. Any uh, cows, goats, wildlife of any way? Uh, anything along the way? Uh, no, no wildlife. No wildlife just yet. Okay. Not yet. Okay, well, maybe you'll see some in Olean tonight. You never know. <laughs> Potentially. A little bit about uh, about Friday night's game. It's funny, uh, Mike Vaccaro, our friend at the New York Post, is... Uh, a loud and proud St. Bonnie's alum, and he's calling it the, quote, biggest game in Riley Center history. I, I thought that was a bit of hyperbole, but uh, from the Bona side, uh, this is a huge game for St. Bonaventure, and they're going to be really excited to welcome the Rams into town. Yeah, uh, Bob Lanier might have something to say about that. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if, if Mike and Bob are, are close or... They've rubbed elbows at any alumni events, uh, but as far as I remember, St. Bonaventure was pretty good when he was there. Uh, that was, you know, 45, 50 years ago. Um, but, no, it, it is a hot ticket. It's a sellout already. It was long in advance. Uh, and if you're a URI fan, you think back to the end of last season when the Rams were making their run and sort of a little bit, you know, maybe on the wrong side of the bubble, you had VCU come to town. They were top 30 RPI team. Your metrics really needed a boost, and that was probably the biggest game of the season to that point, uh, only because it was one of few chances you had left to really get a marquee win. And and that's where we find St. Bonaventure going into Friday night. Uh, They've won seven in a row. They're up to nine and four in the league. Their RPI is in the low 40s. They have some quality wins uh, on their resume. They have quadrant one wins over Syracuse, Vermont, and Buffalo, uh, but to really make their case, you get the feeling that you know in a week A ten this year, St. Bonaventure needs to get this one and finish strong down the stretch. And if Dan Hurley alluded to that a little bit on Wednesday uh, at URI's practice, he said that they know what they're going to be walking into here. They know that St. Bonaventure is going to be desperate, and they're going to have to answer that. No, no question. It'll easily be the toughest road game of the season. Uh, you know, maybe Nevada you know, early in the year, but Nevada certainly isn't going to have the atmosphere that, Bill, you're going to see on Friday night. And, you know, uh, we obviously saw this game once already in Kingston, and after a half, you're pretty impressed. You know, the St. Bonnie played the Rams very tough. Their two-headed monster of Matt Mobley and Jalen Adams uh, were good. They clearly get tired. And, you know, we've seen this act over and over with URI this year where, you know, they're not blowing people out right right off the top, uh, good teams anyways, but in the second half they really wear people down. And, you know, we'll see if they can do that again on the road at the Bonnies. Uh, as you said, the Bonnies have won seven straight 
A-10 games for the first time ever, by the way, and are coming off a, a 79-68 win uh, at LaSalle, where Mobley had 30 and 9 rebounds, and Jalen Adams had 26 points, 5 assists, 4 steals. Uh, you know, th- th- you know, they will say that this is the best backcourt in the A-10. I think I'll side with the Rams, but certainly the matchup of the two best backcourts and guard play is certainly going to decide this game. Yep, and, and to that end, you wonder about the status of E.C. Matthews. Uh, bruised left knee against Richmond in the 85-67 win on Tuesday. Uh, Dan Hurley says he's questionable. I'd be very surprised if he played, uh, only because you you tend to err on the side of caution at this point. Uh, you know, you or I would like to win the game. It would help them with seeding, but they don't need it as badly. Uh, and as you said, they have much more depth than most of their opponents. You look at their last two games, home wins over Davidson and Richmond. The bench has scored 41 points in each game. Uh, you know, Fats Russell has had double digits in three straight. Cyril Angevine has had double digits in three straight. Uh, you know, this is a, a different team than any other we've seen under Dan Hurley, and they're probably uniquely set up to survive an injury to someone like EC or Cyril Langevin. If you think back to the start of the year, URI was able to beat Seton Hall uh, on a neutral court at Barclays Center without both of those players. Well, we saw it the other night. Uh, if you take one, I think if you take one player out of the URI mix, there's other guys who URI would be hurt by than E.C. Matthews, more than E.C. Matthews. I think Jeff Doughton might be the most valuable guy on the team just because he handles the ball so much and doesn't turn it over. Uh, Matthews comes out, and Russell, uh, I, I think Fats Russell might be their most explosive offensive player just because if he gets hot, he can put up points very, very quickly and uh, can do it both ways. Uh, he turns defensive mistakes or steals into quick plays at the other end, and he certainly did that, that the other night against Richmond. I'll be curious to see how uh, Dan Hurley copes with the loss of E.C. Matthews. It's interesting, though, uh, Bill, in their three losses, they've had a injury or two. I, I, I won't give them that injury excuse against Nevada because E.C. got hurt so late in the game. But uh, right. uh, Virginia, um, was, that, uh, was that only E.C.? I'm trying to think who, who was missing in that game. Uh, Langevin did not play in that game either. Langevin, exactly, with the leg. And uh, so, you know, I'm hoping that EC can play, uh, but but it does make sense if he's not 100% to hold him out. Yeah, you shouldn't risk anything at this point. Uh, You know, not not only for his long-term future, but, you know, just in the short term, uh, if you take care of it, even if you lose St. Bonaventure, it doesn't hurt you that badly. It's a road loss against a team with a fringe 40 RPI. Uh, losing at LaSalle next week w- would be much more damaging. Um, and then you got some home games. You know, you got Dayton at home, St. Joe's at home. You figure you can win both of those. Uh, and then on the road at Davidson, which is a couple weeks from now, you would hope that, you know, EC is around 100% or close to it by then. Um, you know, so this could be one that he sits out, just tries to get a little healthier for the stretch uh, because, you know, they have a lot more season to go here. Uh, you know, they're looking beyond a month from now, certainly into the NCAA tournament, and you want to be firing on all cylinders when you get into those games. Okay, now here's the, here's the Zen question. This doesn't have an answer, but I received this uh, a little bit this morning. If It's good for the Rams to lose a game to take the, quote, pressure off their losing streak. Uh, yay, or sure. nay, yay or nay? Uh, I 
I've never been a big believer in that. I like winning, and I like doing it all the time. And, you know, if you have an older, mature, focused team who takes it one game at a time and doesn't just pay lip service to that but actually does it, uh, I think that they're capable of continuing to go on ahead. Uh, you know, as I've said on previous podcasts, if there's any coach who's uniquely qualified to handle a team that's winning every game, it could be Dan Hurley because that's what his father, Bob Sr., did for many, many, many years at St. Anthony. Uh, you know, and there have been times this year where URI has made the A-10 ranks look like St. Anthony made the New Jersey ranks look for a long time. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, there's been many years where St. Anthony went 27-2, and 28-1, and, and all Bob Hurley worried about all summer long was was the one or two losses. And uh, uh, right. I can tell you right now, Dan Hurley wants to be – he doesn't want to lose any games. Uh, but nope. I, I will say that this team has, uh, I think, the veteran capability to bounce back from any type of a stub-the-toe loss. So although, as you – make a point that this is no stub the toe team the bonnies are 42 in the rpi uh a win here i I think a win here and then the bonnies win out or even lose one more time and uh they're in the tournament or really really close so it's that huge of a game for saint bonaventure so uh shapes up as a big time night uh not now bill uh, last question what what's the forecast for the way home because uh the journey back to buffalo is not an easy one if it's snowing we're going to oh, and, and this, now that's not a surprise, uh, uh, folks. We've been waiting for 18 minutes for Bill to have some phone trouble because he's out in the middle of nowhere. And this actually must mean he just entered the Olean city limits. So uh, hopefully he has none of these troubles on game night when it's time to file his stories and uh, follow him on Twitter. Uh, it'll be a nationally televised game on Friday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, Big-time game for the Rams, and then the Friars will be at Butler uh, at noontime on Saturday. Uh, Bill, are you there? I'm here. Oh, you are there. You, you, you phased out just a little bit. I was just about to wrap things up, but we'll, we'll give a couple more minutes here. Uh, a little bit on Brown. Brown's going on the road. Brown is staying in the mix of the Ivy League race with a split, very important split at home last week against Cornell and Columbia, they now are on the road at Harvard on Friday night, and they can go up to Dartmouth on Saturday. Uh, a split is is almost mandatory as well. I, I think if they can finish 8-6, and 7-7 seven seven in the Ivy League, they're, they're going to be at least in the mix for that last spot. Uh, Bill, just a little on Brown. Obviously, we, we need uh, you know, Brown needs uh, Cambridge to be able to suit up, turned his ankle, and they're hopeful that he can play this weekend. Yeah, they split at home last weekend, lost to Cornell, nice overtime win over Columbia, um, you know, where Desmond Cambridge turned his left ankle late in the second half, didn't play in the overtime, and you know, a couple other guys really stepped up for Brown. Tamanang Cho and Obi Akoli uh, were really strong to the finish. Um, you know, and, and Brown, you know, they just continue plodding along here uh, on the right track. I think you're right, Kevin. It's just important for them to make sure that they sort of hold serve here, try to steal one on the road, uh, you know, whether Cambridge plays or not, and then position themselves, you know, into maybe where they could go three and one in the last four uh, and try and steal that four spot in the Ivy League tournament. But, you know, still very encouraged by what I see out of Brown. Uh, Their young talent's coming along nicely. It really feels like a team on the rise under Mike Martin. Uh, There's no question about it. It was encouraging to see Brown finish. Uh, the way they did, uh, kind of lost control at the end, 
of the uh, Saturday night game against Columbia, who was coming off a win over Harvard, and then Brown be able to, to, to get it done in overtime. So obviously a huge weekend for uh, the Bears. Uh, lastly, we're going to touch on Bryant because they made news this week when uh, longtime coach Tim O'Shea decided to retire. Uh, he's going to coach the last two weeks of the season, uh, including tonight at Robert Morris, and then uh, we'll coach in his last home game next Thursday. Uh, Bill, we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast this year. Brian has struggled big time with only three wins. Uh, but I give Tim O'Shea an awful lot of credit uh, in his retirement announcement. He basically said that he's, he's lost the fire to coach um, and really has no desire to coach anywhere else. He's done it for a long time, 34, 35 years, 10 years at Bryant. And uh, you know, a lot of coaches don't quite sense that you know when it's time to walk away. short uh the, the the line is is definitely a little fuzzy uh we will do our tim o'shea uh you know trust it next week when he's in his final weekend of coaching at bryant um he probably deserves a little bit more time than than bill in the car anyway so uh bill in the car and olian uh arrive safely and everyone thanks for uh, listening and uh check back with us next week